0: Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church.
1: And what I want to do today is understand how it intersects with us. Because embracing the gospel means understanding the gospel, not just to the point of salvation, but to the point of transformation. And to the point of where we are not afraid, but we are and we are not ashamed, but we are committed to it. And like Paul, we have a message to deliver. And like Paul, we have been set apart, called. We have a mission to fulfill. I can see the promised land. Though there's pain
0: within the plan. There is victory in
1: the end. Your love is my battle cry. The answer for all my life.
0: Every dragon will fall, the mountains will move. Every chain of the past, you've broken into all the fear of the lies. We're singing the truth that nothing is impossible. Hello and welcome to the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so grateful that you've joined us today for the broadcast, and as we always do, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. Today we will be continuing our study through the Book of Romans, and today we'll be hearing a message that Pastor Keith has entitled, Embracing the Faith. So if you have your Bibles... Please return with us again today to the book of Romans, chapter 1. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study.
1: Father, we thank you for the hope of the gospel. That when we embrace it, we embrace it to salvation, but we also embrace it for life. It is the power of God manifest in us, to us, through us, by us, in us, by you. And so Lord, help us to embrace it, help us to live it because of your character because of your goodness, because of your faithfulness. And Lord, as we look today into this passage, change us, change us forever. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. If this is your first time with us, we're in a series on the book of Romans. And uh, you should listen online last week for the introduction because I'm only gonna do it once. That's why it's called an introduction. And if you are with us today for the second time, or the third time, or the fifth, or however many times it is, turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. Chapter chapter 1, we'll be looking. We're going to be zeroing in on verses 16 and 17. We'll read some other verses for context as well. Now, we were turning to our study of Romans, which is called, the study, the, the macro title is called Understanding the Faith because we want you to understand what you believe as comprehensively as possible so that you can let it carry you along and so that you can carry it along with you wherever you go. And so we began last week with a profile of the Apostle Paul, a man of faith who had encountered Jesus Christ who had been changed forever. The direction and course of his life and the lives of all he came in contact with were forever changed. And this man of faith, like us, had embraced Christ. And like us, And like him, we have a mission of faith to fulfill. And that is to deliver the message of the Christian faith to everyone, everywhere that we can. And so we look to this man and his mission and his message. And what I want to do today is understand how it intersects with us. Because embracing the gospel means understanding the gospel, not just to the point of salvation, but to the point of transformation. And to the point of where we are not afraid but we are and we are not ashamed, but we are committed to it. And like Paul, we have a message to deliver. And like Paul, we have been set apart, called. We have a mission to fulfill. And this message that you and I that we have to deliver is not a message contrived by men. It's a message conceived by God. And a servant's call, drafted into service, raised up for such a time as this, we have a role to play in this kingdom work in this piece of redemptive real estate called San Jose, Santa Clara, California. And therefore being changed by the gospel, our agenda has to be changed. It has to be aligned with Christ's agenda, with God's agenda. And that's what we're going to be talking about, embracing the gospel for all that it is, the key to your faith, the key to living out your faith, because the gospel just isn't praying a prayer and getting saved and that's it. It's that is a commencement. Salvation is your commencement ceremony that goes on for the rest of time and the rest of your time here on earth. And so today we turn our attention to Romans chapter 1, 1 through 16, which is the heart, which is the thesis statement of this greatest letter that has ever been written, this, this epistle from Paul to the church at Rome. It is the thesis, it is the heart and soul get this right, and get the rest of the epistle right. And it's sort of a prologue to all that's coming. Just like John has an 18-verse prologue at the beginning, this is really just a two-verse prologue that sort of hopefully helps you get your antennae ready for what you're going to encounter in the rest of the epistle. So I want to start with uh, uh, Romans 1, verses 1, 14 through 17, and it will sort of help us to understand what we're talking about today. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. That's him, that's us. And then he writes to them, I am under obligation both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, because in it, contained in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous or the just shall live by faith. Here is the heart of Romans. Here is the theme of Romans. It's a theme that will be unpacked and amplified throughout the rest of the book of Romans, And also in the series that follows. It is the gospel of the power of God to salvation. It is the key to the Christian faith to being a Christ follower, understanding and embracing the gospel as it is going to be comprehensively explained in the book of Romans. And why is it powerful? Well, as we discussed last time, the gospel is really two things. It's information. It's information about salvation and eternal life. But the gospel is also a person. It is the good news of Jesus Christ like the angels proclaimed at his birth, good news of great joy that will be for all people because unto us is born a Savior, Christ the Lord. The gospel is information and it's a person. It is good news, the good news of Jesus Christ, news to be embraced, news to be heeded, news to be obeyed. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation, to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God, or the righteousness from God, is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the just, the righteous, shall live by faith. You may recall the last time we talked that I said this is a breathtaking letter. When you read it, it takes your breath away. Why is Romans a breathtaking letter? Why is it the greatest letter ever written? Because it explains, it amplifies, it even simplifies everything contained from Genesis to Revelation. Get Romans and you get the faith. Get Romans and you understand who you are, why you're here, what your purpose is for, and where you are headed. Romans is sort of the, Paul's magnum opus. It's his biggest work that explains the faith thoroughly, pretty much exhaustively. And so today, we're going to look into this passage And we're going to distill and hopefully incorporate into our lives six keys for embracing the faith so that we can live out our faith in a way that enables us to exemplify what a Christian should be, to be one, so that we can live out our faith in a way that enables us to bring one, to bring others to faith in Christ, so that we can live out our faith in a way and live in a way that enables us to build another Christian, baby Christian or intermediate Christian, or whatever kind of Christian, to the fullness of the maturity of the gospel of Christ so that we can mentor people. Put another way, today let's consider six keys for embracing our faith so that we can, as servants of Christ, deliver the message that he has given us and fulfill the mission that he has given us. So here are the six keys to embracing the gospel. And the first key is this. We are to reveal it rather than conceal it. The key to embracing your faith, you want to embrace your faith because you want to reveal it rather than conceal it. Paul says that in the first half of verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not embarrassed by the gospel. I am not ashamed. Let's talk about Paul here. Paul was grateful for the gospel because it transformed his life. The way it's transforming yours, the way it's transformed yours. You have to be graceful. You have to be grateful for it. Paul Here, here, writes, as a man who has been imprisoned in one town, Philippi, run out of another town, Thessalonica, received such abuse that he had to be smuggled out of Berea in order to avoid being murdered. And when he went to Athens, the Greek philosophers and the intelligentsia mocked him. Paul was taken out and stoned in Galatia. And now he's coming to Nero's town. And Nero is not known to be a nice man. And he's coming to Rome. Rome, the center of power in the civilized world at the time, the center of pagan religion, the place that would eventually he would eventually die. And what does he say about it? I'm not ashamed. One writer noted, neither ridicule, criticism nor physical persecution could curb his boldness because of what God did to Paul, because of what God did for Paul, and what God did with Paul. I am not ashamed of the gospel because of his calling, because he knew he'd been set apart for a purpose. He knew that he had a mission to fulfill, and he was not embarrassed or ashamed or afraid. And this is the attitude or the mindset of the lifestyle that he exemplifies for us that we all have to embrace as well. Sure, we're going to be marginalized in our culture today, but we're not going to be treated anything like Paul, nothing like Paul. He'd suffered greatly and yet he was grateful. He was grateful for what God had accomplished for Paul in Christ. And no matter what man or men or people did to him, he was unashamed, unintimidated, and unintimidatable because he had a mission to fulfill as a man of faith. And just like Paul, we have the same mission, we have the same message, and we cannot be ashamed of it. We cannot keep it to ourselves. And I'll give you two reasons why. And The first reason is this. The first reason is for the sake of others. We have to reveal it for the sake of others. Paul writes later on in Romans 1, 5 and 14 and 15, that we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. I am under obligation both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you who are also in Rome. We do this for the sake of others. People are perishing. People are trying to make sense of their existence. And Paul wants to bring and to share and to give what he has with other people. He wants them to know their forgiveness, the peace that surpasses all understanding, the sanity that comes with embracing the gospel. And so we we do it for the sake of other people. In Romans 16, 25 to 26, we read this. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of God to bring about the obedience of faith. He wants to do it for the sake of others. He is selfless rather than selfish. He is other-oriented rather than self-oriented. Years ago, I attended a management seminar, and this uh, speaker talking about the sharing of information used this analogy from Bedouin culture in the Middle East. And it, it had to do with something called the sin of water. And in Bedouin, cult- the Bedouins live in the desert where there's no water, hence, we call it the desert, right? And one of the things that is part of their culture is when you're coming up on another caravan or you're about to encounter somebody else going somewhere else if you know where an oasis is, if you know where water is, you want to take no chances, but for their sake, tell them there's an oasis over yonder. I don't know if that's Arabic, that might be Southern, Southern Arabia, something like Saudi Arabia, but anyway. But you want to reveal it rather than conceal it for the sake of others. And too often as Christians, we sort of commit the sin of water because the gospel is for all people everywhere. And sometimes we're Like, well, you know, maybe they already know about it. I heard him talk about God once. No, we don't conceal it. We reveal it for the sake of others. Paul, what he did, did what he did first for the Jew and also for the Greek. The Jews were his people. He wanted to see them saved, but he'd also been called as an apostle of the Gentiles. So he wanted to share it with everybody. The barbarian, the civilized, the uncivilized, the educated, the uneducated, everybody. He felt he was under obligation. Because he had the truth. Because he had eternal life. Just like the Bedouin is under obligation. I've got the water. I know where it is. I'll share the information. That's what we're called to do. And if you embrace the gospel, you're going to want to reveal it rather than conceal it for the sake of others, for the sake of all those who are perishing around you or might perish. You cannot be ashamed of the gospel. You have to proclaim, explain, and exclaim it. You do it for others... And also, there's a second reason, you do it for your own sake. Do it for the sake of yourself. Reveal it for your own sake. Jesus said this, and this is kind of a warning to all of us. For whoever is ashamed of me, in my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of his Father and of the holy angels. A lot of times, our reticence, our fear, our unwillingness to proclaim, to explain, to reveal the gospel, our tendency to conceal it, might actually speak to a larger spiritual and eternal problem because our priorities are not God's priorities. And Jesus alludes to it here. If you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. You know, what does he say in Matthew seven twenty-one to 23? Not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into my kingdom, but the one who does the will of my Father. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, perform many mighty works in your name? And I will say to, you, to them, depart from me, for I never knew you. Do it for your own sake. It's a reminder of who you belong to. It's a reminder of who you are. It's a reminder of why you're here. And it will affirm that you are his because his priority is your priority. And so you reveal rather than conceal the gospel. He says it again in Matthew ten thirty two and 33. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. I said this last week, and I want to say it again. You are saved by faith alone, not by works. But saving faith, real faith, is never lonely. It's, it produces fruit. It produces works in your life. It produces an outward expression of an inward change. And part and parcel of that is revealing rather than concealing the gospel. And why take such a risk? Well, that brings us to our second key for embracing the gospel. You embrace the gospel because... Of this reason, you recognize it for what it is. You recognize it for what it is. It is the power of God for salvation. Romans one sixteen b. I'm chopping up the sentence here. Just work with me on this. For it is the power of God for salvation. No one else saves. You know, there's an old saying. You know, I heard somebody say on the radio one time. Well, all roads lead to God, right? They do. But then it, after there, you go to one of two places based on your relationship with God. Everybody's going to see God but some people are going to end up in heaven and some people are going to end up in hell. All roads lead to God, but Jesus is the only way to salvation. In Acts 4.12, we read this, for there is salvation and no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Recognize it for what it is. It is the power of God and no one else has that power to save but Jesus Christ. And so nothing else saves. Nothing else saves. You know, there's lots of religions in the world Lots of opinions, but not every opinion counts. And there's this whole idea that you can do something to earn your salvation. You can be good enough to get into heaven. But the Bible tells us differently in James 2.10. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all. Fail in one, fail in the whole thing. The wages of sin is death. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So you recognize this for what it is. It is the power of God for salvation. It is the only power. Now, the message may sound foolish to some, but it is effective because of of the omnipotence that resides within it, the omnipotence of God, the power of God to save, the power of God to raise from the dead, the power of God to take those who were once his enemies, who were once children of wrath, and make them children of God. The power of God to deliver people from lostness, to remove the scales from their eyes and to see the way to eternal life in Jesus Christ. Sort of a spiritual CPR. The power of God that saves from the wrath of God, the power of God that transforms the selfish into the selfless, and that rescues them from the ultimate penalty of their sin. And we'll talk about the wrath of God next. Recognize the gospel for what it is. It's the power of God to save. You know, I'm reminded men have the power to kill. Women have the power to kill. People have the power to kill, but only God has the power to save. And we should accept no substitutes. So we conceal it rather than, well, excuse me, we reveal it rather than conceal it. And we reveal it because of what it is, the power of God to save. And the third key is this. Embrace the gospel because you realize who it is for. As a believer, as someone already saved, you embrace the gospel because you realize for who it is for. Look again. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God to salvation, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. What does that mean? It means there are no special classes in God's economy. There are no special people groups. There are no elites. There is no privilege in God's kingdom reserved for special people. It is a gospel for all people. There is no identity politics in God's equation. There is no room for it. We are all sinners. We are all oppressors. We are all perpetrators. And if we are woke to the gospel, we want to share it with all people because it's for all people. The Jew first to the Greek, the barbarian, the wise, the simple, everybody. Where do we see that? We see that in Galatians 3.28. Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. For if you are, And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. That's good news of great joy, which shall be for all people. For unto us is born a Savior, Christ the Lord poor or as wicked as the rich the rich or as wicked as the poor the homeless or as depraved as the landed gentry the landed gentry as depraved as the homeless the apolitical or as corrupt as the political and so on and so forth for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god and this is a and this gospel is for all people no one has an inside track paul talks about this in Galatia, uh, galatians in romans three twenty-one to 24 what does he say he says this, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For because all, everyone has sinned and falls short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace, not by any merit or specialness on their part, as a gift to the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You realize who it's for and you want to share it with all people because it's for all people. You reveal it rather than conceal it. You recognize it for what it is. You realize who it's for and you embrace the gospel because you understand, fourthly, how it works. You see, we have to embrace it. We have to understand it. We have to ingest it. We have to touch it, feel it, handle it, study it because if we don't know If we don't understand it, we can't explain it to all people. If we don't understand how it works, we can't explain it, can we? And we see this in Romans 1.16d. Don't worry, I'm not going to get to Z here. We're we're good. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who does good deeds. That's not what it says. To everyone who believes, to everybody who fates, to everybody who trusts, to everybody who embraces, to everybody who Puts their confidence in it. It is information that saves, rescues, and redeems that needs to be believed, digested, ingested, and trusted. And what do I mean by that? Where am I going with all this? It's essentially this belief, saving faith, isn't just mental assent. It's not just knowing the facts. It's about understanding that you've sinned against a holy God and believing that you're a sinner and turning away from that way of thinking and putting your faith in Christ. It's not mental assent, right? Even the demons believe in shudder, James 2.10. And it's more than just saying, I believe in God or I believe in Jesus, because the demons believe in Jesus. It involves a change of mind that brings about a change of life and a change in direction.
0: Pastor Keith Crosby the Grace to Live radio broadcast. We do want to thank you for tuning in today and joining us for Grace to Live, as these days are most definitely uncharted waters for all of us, not only here in our San Jose community, but also for believers worldwide. So we want to encourage you to keep looking up. Hillside Church will be holding our worship service 100% online for now. So please remember our website, hillside.org. You can view our Sunday morning service there, as well as to keep informed with updates on what's happening here at the church as we walk through this time together. Just click on the COVID-19 response button for updates on ministry activities, resources for your children, as well as important information from the County Health Commission. And you can also connect with us on social media, the church Facebook page at Hillside Church San Jose, as well as our Instagram page at Hillside San Jose. Don't worry if you missed any of this information. You can access everything by visiting our website, hillside.org. We want to thank you so very much for spending this time with us here on the Grace to Live radio broadcast. I'm your host, Kevin Reeves, and on behalf of Pastor Keith and all of us here at Hillside Church, we want to encourage you with our prayer that the Lord will continue to richly bless you and protect you. So please keep looking up. And thanks for listening.
1: The nothing is impossible. Every dragon will fall. The mountains will move. Every chain of the past. You've broken into. Oh, fear of the light. We're singing the truth. The nothing is impossible. we with you.